Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I've been reading this welcome prayer to you, and I'm not going to read it today, but I want to remind you that its heart is to welcome you into a daily life that acknowledges that God is in charge. We recently aired a special show about this virus that is consuming our airwaves, our thoughts, our hearts, our hands, the attention of our lives, and we should be certain that we know what we're doing. If you haven't listened to that broadcast, I hope that you will. I hope that you will always be mindful that we can only do so much and that God is ultimately in charge of healing. I told you a few days ago that we were going to spend some time this season prior to the celebration of Easter to talk about something our Catholic friends call the Stations of the Cross. I'm not sure how that came to be because my roots um, would not give me that history, and I never looked it up, actually. But I know that they take these last seven statements, they call them words, actually, their statements, they're found in our Bibles, seven things that Christ said from the cross. It's quite a powerful notion. It's a, a powerful notion just to imagine what he is going through, what pain he is feeling. He is God in man form, so all of it is what you might feel. And at the same time, he says these profound statements. And we talked about all seven of them, and today I am going to begin by talking about the first one. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's not implying that these men who have injured him and hung him to a cross don't know what they do. They know what they've done they nailed his hands to a cross with stakes. But he's talking about in their heart of hearts, they have not sinned against God to kill the Messiah. They don't even know that he is the Messiah. So how does that affect me? Well, Paul in his book of Corinthians says, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God in lofty words or wisdom, but I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Capital letters, the cross. I know that we don't want to make the dreadful scenes of the cross, when the movie The Passion came out, when books had been written, photographs um, tried to be displayed, paintings, we try to watch out for our young children that they don't see those images. And yet, God in his perfect providence planned that he would send his son and that he would be crucified on a cross. It was prophesied and that we would have an option for a different course in our life. So I mentioned to you that I think this is about for the forgiveness subject, and it came to me that the prodigal son, whose phrase in the part of the account says, and he came to his senses. He came to his senses. 
If we have come to our senses, as the prodigal son did, and returned or come to Christ, then don't rush to the cross and rush away. Stay for a while this season as we prepare for Easter. Stay for a while and listen to the statements. Read them in your Bibles. Read the corresponding verses around them and come to some understanding of what Christ is saying to us in the 21st century in America in 2020 during the time of the coronavirus. So this coming to our senses during the introduction of the last seven words, which I mentioned to you, is very personal. We come to our senses. My Bible's version says, and he came to himself. He came to himself. Have you ever had a moment like that? You've just come to yourself. I have many more of those moments than I used to because I grew up in an environment that did not value human beings did not value feelings, and there was always this low degradation about everyone. It wasn't, you know, when people say, how did you, how were you raised in that environment? Well, I didn't feel like they were singling me out. That's how they treated everybody, including themselves. So the scholars and theologians who remind us over and over that self-knowledge, self-awareness, and humility are linked together in this world. Self-awareness, self-knowledge linked together with humility. How is that possible? Well, when I begin to understand who I am, Donna, and you know the word humility comes from the word humus, which is dirt, ground. He calls us to recognize that we are that base, that neutral, And then when we come to understand who he is, we recognize that he is so great and so grand and so perfect, and I am so much less. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about coming to, what what is the old King James Version? I'm a worm, um, uh, whatever it is, the, the phrase that describes who I am. Well, I'm so much less than God. But in my self-knowledge and my self-awareness, I come to the place where I know who I am and I know what makes me tick and how God created me, the gifts he gave me, the tasks he's called me to do, the energy he has given me or not, etc. So I thank you for those of you who love us and send emails and talk about things. I'm not, in this case, trying to grandisize psychology. I'm just trying to say that self-awareness, self-knowledge is about an understanding of yourself. And God describes in Psalm 51.6 that we are to know the inner part of ourselves only through him. So how do you get talked into coming to your senses? Well, I don't think anybody can talk you into it. Have you ever tried to talk someone into it? Even if you know it's very, very good for them. You try to talk them into something that's going to be great for them. It's going to be perfect for them. It's the best thing for them. How about an adult child? Have you ever tried to talk an adult child into something that you know is best for them and they say, no. And I think the prodigal story, we can find some illustrations of things that should have brought him to his senses. Things that should bring us to our senses.
He had a loving father. We do too. He may not be your biological father or your earthly father, but we have a loving father. He had a choice, and, and we do also. I think one of the most profound concepts that I ever saw and began to understand and still shocks me, it does, it still shocks me at my age and life that I am still shocked by the fact that he, God, planned that I would have a choice. He gave me a free will. I actually think that's rather reckless of him. <laughs> I mean, I would have been really good to march along and rut, just tell me what to do. But he knew that that would not be the best for my relationship with him. The prodigal son had a choice, and so do we. The prodigal son ultimately wanted to do what he wanted to do. I don't think his heavenly father, his wise earthly father, anyone was going to talk him out of the fact that he had discovered that he could go to his father and give me all my inheritance and he could go off and do whatever he wanted to. Have you ever been like that? In the Proverbs 14, one woman describes the wise woman who builds her house and the foolish woman who tears it down with her very own hands. I know you've done it, so have I. Torn it down with my very own lips. I've torn it down with my very own thoughts. And the circumstances could have been a factor. He, all he wanted, he squandered it. And then that certainly has happened to me. Has it happened to you? Where the circumstances should be a factor that could help you come to your senses. But it doesn't. I wonder how many times I overspent my budget. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I wonder how many times, like, that was all past. I still overspend my budget occasionally. So the the circumstances are there, but it doesn't change the fact that, oh, the pain when I overdo my budget, but then I do it again. Perhaps he stewed about his options. Maybe he thought, well, I will spend my budget or I won't spend my budget. Well, I will ask my father or I won't ask my father. Maybe he even knew his brother, his older brother, who has quite a reputation of his own. Some scholars think that we should call this not the prodigal son, but the prodigal sons, because the other brother wasn't too hot either. But whether he knew what his brother was going to respond or not, he did it. He did it. And then after he went off and did everything he thought he wanted to do, wine, women, and song, he got desperate. He got desperate. And he says, okay, okay, I can't go on. I have come to myself. I have come to the bottom. I have come to the pit. In his case, he's literally in a hog pit. And he has this picture of his heavenly father, his earthly father, being so kind to him. And he could at least go home and work for his father. He, the passage says he doesn't even say, I'll come home and be his son. He says, I'll come home and go to work for him. He'll treat me better than what I'm living in right now. Well, I think coming to our senses is something that happens to us more often than we realize. I was thinking about every time you see a movie, whether it's on television or you go to the theater. You know, isn't there something about movies that inspire you? A number of years ago when I was preparing to walk the 500-mile walk across the country of Spain, I thought about all the stories that had gone ahead of me. And I saw the movies and read the book. And I, it inspired me to go forward. 
You leave a movie, there's the story, the colors, the music, the acting. And unless you were married to me or you're willing to go to a movie with me, actually, I think a lot of people don't want to go to movies with me because when, when we're done with the movie, I want, to, I want to have a long dialogue about it. Now, my husband, he understands. He lets a few questions. He answers. He makes a few real comments. But pretty much we re-enter the real world by the time we're getting in the car and we're thinking about tomorrow and work and details. And by that time, I've come to my senses. I am not going to be the hero of that story. So as we walk these days together in preparation for Easter, I want to challenge you to ponder. I want to challenge you to prepare your heart, to lament, to confess, to fast, to allow yourself to hear from God. Is there something you have not come to your senses about? This is a very good time to ask the Lord. Is there something I haven't come to my senses about? Is there some invitation that you are inviting me to that I have not responded to? The scripture reminds us over and over of Jesus' voice that says, Come, come, come to me. Come, come home. He is home. Christ is home. When we come to him, we find our safe place. We find a place that will never change, for he tells us he will never leave us or forsake us. At Modern Homemakers, we speak about home a lot creating a welcoming home, organizing your home, cooking and cleaning in your home, inviting other people into your home, allowing your family to be comfortable and safe. We feed them, we clothe them, we care for them, we pray for them. We welcome people into our home. Well, Jesus is that home, and he is calling us to his home to come and to stay and to never leave. And he's calling us to come to our senses. Who is Jesus forgiving on the cross? He is forgiving the leaders of his very own people, the Jews. He's forgiving Pilate for wringing his hands and saying, be off, I don't know what to do with you. For the soldiers who did the deed, who whipped him and drove the nails and thrust the spear into his side, they were just doing their jobs. Well, what is forgiveness? What went wrong when someone says, forget it, it's nothing? Something went wrong. Why are they saying, forget it, it's nothing? Forgiveness is never nothing. At the beginning of this year, we looked at Lewis Smead's remark and comment about forgiveness and commitment are the two things that make life worth living. And here we again see it in the words of Christ from the cross. Forgive them. What is forgotten indeed cannot be forgiven. So if we say it doesn't matter, forget it, doesn't matter. We often say that with a general sense of not being sure how we feel about it. But more than that, I think we say it because we feel like it's magnanimous of us to let someone off the hook. Like, isn't that grace? Just let them off the hook. Forget it. You're forgiven. I'm not sure I really mean that, but I say it sometimes. And truly, when I hurt someone, if I were really honest, I want to forget it. I want to forget it, and I want to forget it fast. Could you hear me snapping? Fast, fast, fast. Because I don't want the punishment. 
the punishment is terrible. The hardest part of the punishment is watching someone's face when I've said or done something that I wished I hadn't done. But when I say to someone or they say to me, it doesn't matter, what it says is that nothing matters. If bad things don't matter, then good things don't matter. Actually, nothing matters. And everything's up for grab. Now, now God made things matter. And Paul tells us in Hebrews that we are to discern good from evil. That means that some things matter for good and some things matter for evil. Do you know the difference? And if God thought eating from the tree of knowledge was good, he would have told Adam and Eve, go for it. Just eat from it. Go for it. But instead he told them not to. And the confession of wrongdoing of sin is never easy. And we see that in Adam's response. God says to him, where are you? And Adam says, I heard you and I was naked and I hid. He might have just come right out and said, I did what you told me not to do. But he didn't. He didn't say that at all. Paul says that he called himself the chief of sinners. Adam wasn't smart enough to understand what sin was at that point in the world. But he knew that he had hurt God. He knew it. He knew he had hurt God. And he didn't want to face him. And he hadn't come to his senses because he didn't understand it yet. So I'm asking you, is there something that you feel God wooing you to come to your senses, to find yourself, because all sin matters. There aren't large sins and small sins. There aren't belittling of sins when we say it doesn't matter. Look, it's okay. That's a false way of life. That's a false way of life. If it didn't matter, then justice wouldn't be needed. Justice requires the gradation of guilt. Forgive them. They do not know that they are killing the Messiah. I'm asking you at this very powerful time, not only in our world and culture because of the virus and illness and decisions that we are making that we have not been called to make before. Do I love God and love others or do I buy all the toilet paper at the store? The prodigal came to his senses. He took responsibility. He did something about it. And it is my prayer that if there is something that is causing you to be separated from the home, the heart of the Father, that this season, as we prepare to celebrate the cross, the life of Christ, the cross of Christ, and the resurrection, that you will pause and come to your senses. Jesus' first statement from the cross, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I know that he will forgive you and me as we pause and ponder what things we need to come to our senses about. Well, I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers, and I'm very glad to have been with you. I look forward to sharing the rest of this season with you. Some uh, people call it Lent, some call it preparation of the heart, whatever you call it, spring, whatever you call it, I pray it will be a time of closer connection with Christ. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day in finding out what you need to come to your senses about. Mm-hmm.